Well, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3. We're talking about Christmas. Started last week with a Christmas series. And if you remember, it was a question mark last week. It was, how does God see Christmas? But for the balance of the month, for the rest of the month, this is going to be our topic. Seeing Christmas through God's eyes. Have you ever really saw Christmas through His eyes? How He sees it? Well, if I'm going to uh, get, get us to that point, to see Christmas through God's eyes, I feel like I have to start with our eyes, okay? Now, last week we talked about light. Seeing Christmas through God's eyes, not lights, but light. Today we're, not gonna, we're gonna talk about the gift. The gift. Now, to get to the gift, everybody knows that children write letters to Santa Claus. Have you ever read some of the letters that they wrote? I did some research, and the Tampa Tribune printed their first letter from a child to Santa Claus in De- on December 16th, 1899. And this is what it said. Dear Santa, if you haven't time to pick out a few things for me, just leave everything you've got. I thought you'd like that. The, the next one that I found is a little more ominous. It says, Dear Santa, you better bring me a pony this year or there will be consequences. So I'm not sure about what that is. And then this, this letter, Dear Santa, if you bring presents that need batteries, please bring the batteries. Parents, could I get an amen here? <laughs> but now we're going to bring this to modern day. Here you go, guys. Dear Santa, this is what I want for Christmas, and watch what happens. Now, for the uninformed, that's an Amazon link, linking Santa to a computer. You know, when you think about Christmas and kids and, and, and all this kind of stuff with gifts, we really, now let's just be honest, don't get mad at me. We indoctrinate each other, we indoctrinate our children. Because this is one of the main questions at Christmas. What are you getting for Christmas? And the only thing that backs that up, the second question up here is, what do you want for Christmas? And now some of you are going, Brother Jerry, are you about to take this message to the place of you telling us it's a sin to get gifts for people? And I would say, no, it's not, it's not a sin to get gifts for a people. It's not a sin to give them what they want with this qualifier. As long as we give them what they need. We spend so much time at Christmas playing games with with what people want as opposed to what they need. And here's what I'm going to tell you. God gives us gifts. Did you know that? Look at what, he, what it's told, told us in James. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, let's think about that. The most perfect gift that we get comes from God above. And you go, well, what is that? Well, the next verse tells us by his own choice. He gave us birth. 
by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruit among his creatures. Now, we'll leave that just a second. He said, don't you think about this. Christmas time is all about birth. It's about Jesus' birth. It's about God giving his ultimate gift to us in the person of his son. But watch this. Jesus comes and is born at Christmas time, and then he gives to us, or he offers to us, new birth. As he was teaching Nicodemus here, I told you to turn to John chapter 3. You see, when we see Christmas through God's eyes, we are not seeing what we or others want. But see what people need. And I submit to you this morning that God looked at mankind. That's you and me. And he sent not gifts, but the gift. On the screen, and I've called you to that is a very familiar passage of Scripture. And the truth is, is that contained in the Scripture, contained in this passage, is the most familiar verse in the Bible, which we will speak in some measure in the King James, where most of us memorized it. But sometimes it's good to look at another translation to see all the variables of what God is trying to say to us. We're going to read John 3, verses 14 through 21. I will just say this to you. We could take this scripture and preach for the next three months on it and maybe never repeat ourselves. If you can and will, would you stand to honor the reading of God's holy word? Now don't get comfortable. Please listen because watch how it starts up there. Just as Moses lifted up the snake... In the wilderness. Now, there, most of us will know what that is. But I'm going to take a second because we may have some folks that either never learned it or don't remember it. It happens in Numbers verse, in chapter 21. Children of Israel have come out of Egypt. They're headed, hopefully, uh, to the land of promise. And they complained against God. Now, you just need to know that. They didn't do a whole bunch of stuff. They just complained against God. And you know what he did? He sent snakes. And these were poisonous snakes. As we get to the end of the message, I'll share with you about something about a snake. But, but they were getting bit and people were dying. And so they went to Moses and they cried out to Moses who cried out to God in their behalf. And God told Moses to design a snake on a stick. And you know what that snake on a stick looks like? We have many health care professionals here. It looks like the snake on the stick that represents health care today. It still represents healing. Even just as Moses lifted up the snake, and that's what he did. He lifted it up so everybody could see it. Just as he lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And there's Calvary right there. So that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Don't scope that forward. Just leave it right there a second, Jacob. Now, we all can quote this verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
It doesn't matter what translation you read it in. It doesn't matter what language you read it in. It always means the same thing. Let's move to verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world. To condemn the world. But to save the world through Him. Anyone who believes in, in Him is not condemned. But, any, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned. Because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into this world... And people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds will not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown. To be accomplished by God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning I pray that you would speak to us in our hearts in words that we need to hear. I pray that your gift would never become so familiar, that your word would never become so familiar, that we would dismiss it. I pray that you would do a work in those this morning that you need to do a work in. That you would call to yourself those who need to be called. That you'd bring from the darkness those who still stumble in the darkness. And that, Lord, we would hear your voice and respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Obviously... Nicodemus and Jesus were having a discussion. Nicodemus had asked, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, except you be born again. He said it two times. Born again. There was that James passage of the birth. Today we're going to center our remarks about what we learn in verse 16 and following about the gift that God gave. You see, God looked down He saw what we needed, he saw what you needed, he saw what I needed, and he gave a gift. So keep your mind on the gift. As we begin to work our way through verse 16, we begin with the reason for the gift. The reason for his gift. Have you ever thought about why in the world God did it this way? Why in the world did he send this gift? In simple terms, it's because of how much... He loved the world. It's how much he loved me. And it's how much he loved you. Now we hear that so much, it kind of rolls off our back. But I want you to hear the renditions of this. King James says, for God so loved the world. Another one says that God loved the world so much. Our translation says that God loved the world in this way. Now, brothers and sisters, that should grab your attention. Because what he's saying is that 
God's love has your name on it. For God so loved Jerry. For God so loved Madison. For God so loved Madeline. For God so loved... Well, I don't... uh, For God so loved Eric. For God so loved every one of us. The very reason that he sent Jesus is his love. Because he looked down from heaven, he saw our he saw our earth, and he knew we needed help. Think about that. The God of the universe, the God of creation, the God who existed before anyone else had anything else. He is the one that loves you. And not only does he love you, he sees you. He sees your faults. He sees your failures. He sees your sin, and He sees your greatest need. And your greatest need, listen, young people, your greatest need is not the latest iPhone or the smart, biggest car, adults. It's not the biggest bank account or the biggest house or the most beautiful spouse. Your greatest need is eternal life. Now, here's the thing. Eternal life is not about a pie in the sky by and by. Eternal life is that here it is. It is your relationship to Jehovah God. That's when your eternity begins. When you have that personal relationship with Him. Jesus left heaven and came to earth at the insistence of the Father so that you could have a relationship with Jehovah God. You see... God offers for you and for me to fill the void, to fill the emptiness that we try to fill with all kinds of other things. It's what happens in the human heart. You see, when mankind fell into sin in the Garden of Eden, light fell out of his life. All of a sudden, where there was joy and peace and hope and happiness and security, there was emptiness. That's where mankind is today. Apart from Christ, that's where we are today. Years ago, a pastor visited one of our large universities and he sat in the office of the dean And they were looking out the window, and he asked the dean, he said, what is the greatest need of this university today? What is the greatest problem? And the dean thought for a second, and he said, emptiness. I've said that, and some of you are going to go, well, I'm not empty, man. I got my life full of activities and fun. Everybody thinks... That he who dies with the most toys wins. And the truth is, the people who have, who have made their life to get everything that they want in this world find themselves empty. One young college girl came home to her dad. They were a very wealthy family. And she said, Dad, I want something. I don't know what I want. Let me just tell you this. King David found 
what that girl was looking for. And he said, I shall not want. Because you see, the human heart, the human soul, the person you are, was intended to be filled by none other than our Lord Jesus and His Spirit and a relationship with God. God loves us so much. That was His reason for sending His most prized possession, Jesus. This world, people, me, you, need Jesus, God's Son, and the love that He gives. It was almost a half century ago that Dion Warwick sang what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. And I want to tell you this, she almost got it right. Because what the world needs now is love, God's love. Because it's the only thing that there's just too little love. The deal is that we're talking about today is we're talking about the gifts. And this gift that God gave is that he gave his, the ultimate gift to us here on earth. But now listen. Gifts come wrapped in wrapping paper. And they must be unwrapped. First thing I see in this verse is for God loved the world so much. For God so loved the world that God loved the world in this way. That's the reason. The second thing I see in this verse is the revelation of the gift. It's being revealed. Watch this. God loved the world in this way. Here it is. That he gave his one and only son. You see, the the truth is, is that... This gift is, is, is amazing. Generally, gifts come wrapped in... Somebody gave me... Uh, Beth and Dwayne left gifts on our desk, my desk this morning, and they were wrapped up. Now, that's a woman thing. Most of us men will just hand it to you. Y'all got what I'm saying? Ladies, you can go ahead and laugh because you know you're, I'm telling you the truth. Most of the time, we get these gifts, and, and at Christmas time... You'll have a tree there, and there'll be gifts under it, and they'll be wrapped. And you'll walk there. Blair, no, Blair, you probably won't have one under the tree. Madeline, you'll walk there, and there'll be a gift, and it'll have Madeline's name on it. Now, you can pick that gift up, and you can shake it, and you can smell it, you can feel of it, and you can try to figure out what it is, but you won't know what that is until you open it. You got what I'm saying? You won't know what it is to, until you open it. And the same thing is through, true with the revelation of God's gift to you. You don't know what you got until you open it. I mean, you can read the Bible. You can, you can talk to people. You can do whatever you want to. But you will never know the joy. You'll never know the peace. You'll never know the gift that God has given you until you unwrap it. The truth is... That God offers this gift to everyone. But no, many will not ever know the gift. They'll never understand it. 
because they've never unwrapped it. And when you unwrap the gift, you embrace the gift, you accept the gift. He will be revealed to you in ways that you will never imagine. It's like that gift I was just picking on Madeline about. Is that until she opens it, until she sees it, she won't really know. She can't enjoy it. She can't have fun with it. She can play guessing games about it. Because it's not hers until she opens it. I have in my pocket, I have in my hand a $1 bill with a paper clip on it. Who would like it? Come right here. You got to come get it. I can't believe she did. I can't believe it's her. Come on. I've got a paper clip on it to keep it folded. That's yours, sweetheart, okay? Yeah, it's yours. That's yours. I just gave her I just gave her that folded dollar bill with a little paper clip on it. Right? She got a dollar bill, is that right? Have you opened it, baby? Oh what? Oh oh you mean there was a five dollar bill in there. Here's what I'm telling you. That is hers. But, and some of the rest of you going, well, if I'd have known there'd have been a $5 bill in there, I'd have done it. <laughs> Am I right? Here's what I'm telling you. That's what it is with Jesus. That's exactly what it is with Jesus. You don't know what's all He'll give to you until you try Him. That's the revelation of His gift to us. You see, when we, when we, we unpack His gift, watch all the things He does. He forgives your sin. He helps you forget your past. He frees you from your sin. He, he helps you move to the focus to the future. God gives you His best. Now, without Jesus, without God's gift, you have no idea what you're missing. And I, I wanna, I'm going to go on record here because I've said it so many times. If you're making your life only about a Sunday morning service. Man, I have done my bit. I came and I endured that music. I endured that, that old preacher. If that's all it is for you, I'm just going to tell you, you've missed God's gift. When you find God's gift, you'll, find, you'll discover things that you never thought you would have. Your loneliness will be replaced with companionship. Your emptiness will be replaced with satisfaction. Your questions will be replaced with answers. Your darkness will be replaced with light. And oh, by the way, just to throw this in, at the end of your life, eternal death will be be replaced with eternal life. Just an oh, by the way. You see, the light will be revealed when you receive it. As long as I had that dollar bill folded up, nobody knew what was in it. That could have been a hundred dollar bill. Here's what I'm telling you. You never know until you open it. The revelation of God's gift. The scripture moves on. For God loved the world so much. That's the reason. That he gave his only son the revelation 
the result from it when you open it, this gift is that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, Jesus will take you from take you from death to life. You know how he can do that? Because he's already experienced it himself. In the cross, they put him in the ground. He was graveyard dead. You read any medical report on Jesus' body, I don't even know how he came back to life. That's the supernatural thing. He was dead, and he came from death to life. And that is what he gives us. In the Garden of Eden, at the disobedience of Adam and Eve, we lost our personal connection to God. Before that, man and God and man had walked together in the cool of the day. That's what we're designed to do and to be. Jesus comes, and the result of opening his gift is our relationship with him is restored. We walk with him and talk with him. But I need to say this because we've read the entire text. There are many people, maybe even people in this room, who really don't want what God has to offer. They love the darkness because they love doing things their way. If we love the darkness and we love doing things our way, if we love committing sin, we condemn ourselves. I don't believe anybody else. I don't believe God will send anybody to hell. He may not send anybody to hell, but he'll let you go there if you make that choice. You see, God sent Jesus to make a difference in our lives. God sent Jesus to meet your deepest, darkest need. God sent Jesus to restore you and me to Him. But we must respond. That brings us to the last thought because of the reality about His gift. I've said this many times from this pulpit. It's amazing to me that God did all He did and Jesus paid all He paid and endured all He endured. And He gave us a choice Probably are people in this room that have never really received Jesus into their life and chose to follow him. God's still giving you a choice because you're here today. You can make a decision for him. The reality is, let me just, we don't want to hear this at Christmas time. We really don't want to hear it at any time. But the reality is that not everyone wants this gift. Not everyone wants God in charge of their life. Not everyone in this room wants to follow Jesus. It doesn't matter how much God claims that he loves them. It doesn't matter what God does. We are just going to keep him at arm's distance. You see, we just want a little bit of God. A year or so ago, maybe two years ago now, I shared with you a, a, a letter about a guy I just talked, his name was Wilbur Reese. And he said, man, I just like $3 worth of God. Now, teenagers, you don't know about this, 
But years ago, when the preacher was young and all these old people like me were young, there was nothing for us to drive into a gas station. Y'all don't even know what that is. And the gas attendant would come out. Y'all don't know what that is. And we would say, give me a dollar's worth of gas. Give me three dollars worth of gas. That's what we could afford. And, and honestly, we went a long way on that little bit of gas. This guy said, I wanted $3 worth of God. Watch this. I'd like $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of a womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. That person, I don't care whether it's you or not, all that person wants is fire insurance to keep him out of hell. And I don't, be, I don't care to be mean, but I do want to burst your bubble. That's not available in this book. That God does not exist in the Bible. That is not an offer that Jesus makes. Jesus calls us to be committed. God took his son and he wrapped him in the garb of a human and he offers his son as your way, your only way to know him. God spared no expense. That's what we celebrate Christmas about. God spared no expense. He pulled out all the stops to show you his extravagant love for you. And with with that being said, some still have No interest. Why is this? The Bible tells us. It's because evil loves darkness more than light. Because light will reveal sin. And we don't really talk about sin. You see, God gives us his gift so that we can live in the light of his love. How do we embrace this gift? How does that gift reveal to us? So that we, how how, how do we embrace it so we can unwrap it? Let me just offer you a pathway. It's not going to be up here. In fact, you can go ahead and pull that down, Jacob. Let me offer you just three thoughts and then a closing idea. If you have been playing games with God. If the world ends today, if God calls this world to a close or your life to a close today, it's not going to go well for you. If you want it to go well for you, you, like me, we must admit that we have a broken relationship with God the Father. If you cannot admit that your relationship was broken with God the Father, you, don't have, no, you have no place to begin. The second thing we have to do is acknowledge our own wrongdoing, our own sin. 
that separates us from God. It doesn't matter, well, I haven't, I haven't been immoral. Well, you realize that gossip and pride and anger is put on the same level with immorality in the Bible. We must acknowledge that we have wrongdoing so that we can repent of it. And then we must accept, we must receive, we must embrace Jesus as God's gift to us. To find the forgiveness and the freedom and even be able to forget the past. When I think about God's gift and that at Christmas and how God sees Christmas, my mind is stirred. I will just tell you over the past month, over the past month, my mind had been stirred for these guys right down here. I, I pick on them and I, and, I, and I love them and I think they know that, but I pick on them because I love them so much. But, I, but I'm concerned. Because this, in just a few days, a couple of years, most of these are going to be gone. Perhaps to some university. And whether you know it or not, universities are the seedbed for anti-Christian, anti-God, anti-Bible. Everything we stand for, they stand against. And in my heart of hearts, I want our kids ready to go, ready to be able to defend their faith. And I'm just going to give you one illustration of one of the things that came to my that that I read. And it's really rolling over as I begin to think about how we're going to do in the days ahead. We think about this thing of salvation, believing in God. Too many, even in this room, see the Bible and salvation as a supermarket. As a supermarket. You're not going to like this, Brent, so just sit still, okay? I mean, we, we, we go to the supermarket to buy stuff for ourselves to make, that we like. We go there, and if we got vegans here, they go buy all vegetables. If we have, uh, we have meat eaters, the carnivores, that's kind of the teeth that we have to eat the, to eat the meat. You go get that for yours. If you have, if you have a, um, a, uh, uh, an international flavor, if you want to get Mexican, if you want to get, Chinese, you, you go there and you really buy what you want. And when you walk out, you feel pretty pleased that you got what you want. And you can survive the next week with the food that you're eating. This means yes. Y'all know what I like? Okay. There are people, a lot of people look at the Bible in that way. Man, you know what? I don't like what it says about homosexuality. I don't like... What it says about men leading, I don't like what it, and I'm just going to discard all that. You know what? You may not like any of those things, that's fine, but let me tell you something. If you get to change those, I don't like that Jesus had to die for me. Can I change that? Answer is no. You see, God never give us this plethora of things that we could choose from. Let me get, now let me change, let me change course. That's not the way salvation, if that's the way you're approaching your faith, that's not the way 
that our Lord approaches you being saved. The picture is now an emergency room in a hospital. You have been bitten by one of those guys, red on yellow. If you have not heard that poem, red on yellow, kill a fella, red on black, friend of Jack. That coral snake, you get bit. You walk into that emergency room, you don't say, you know, I don't want a shot. I don't don't want that antidote. Just treat me with something that I like. Give me some good tasting medicine. We don't do that because it's a matter of life and death. And when we go into the emergency room, we say, use your skill, your knowledge, and you give me something to save my life. Well, listen, brothers and sisters, I am doing my best to stand right up here in this emergency room to do my best to give you medicine that will save your life. You don't get to choose what you want. Jesus is God's gift. Jesus is God's gift to change you from the inside out. And the only way he will is for you to unwrap him and embrace him and receive him. And if you will, he's as good as his word. Let's pray together.